Hello and welcome back to the Source Football Podcast. I'm your host, JCS. And as always, I'm joined by one of my closest friends, Ryan. Um, now, before we get into the, the episode today, one thing we noticed um, when we listened back to the, the the debut episode of our podcast is that, obviously, I introduced myself and told you a little bit about me. I then asked Ryan to tell, um, <laughs> do the same. But then I, I proceeded just to completely cut him off and go straight into the actual episode. So what we're going to do today, first of all, is simply I'm just going to let Ryan take the floor um, for for a bit of a time now and just actually tell him a little, tell you about about himself. Um, so so Ryan, of course, after after you. I uh, really appreciate it, mate. And to be honest, you know you're you're the main event here, aren't you? So. Um... You know, not knowing as much about me is is absolutely fine. But um... if, if you in, if you insist that I am the main event, I will take that. <laughs> yeah. So just to um, uh, give you a bit of a heads up as to who I am. So uh, my name's Ryan. I'm in my late twenties. Um, married two years to an amazing woman. Um, I think me and JCS have both agreed that um, we are batting both batting above our averages a fair amount, aren't we, mate? You. You are. I don't know about, about me. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Yeah. So yeah, married two years. Um, I'm a Christian. So I've been um, following a follower of Jesus since the last year of uni. So my time at university was obviously quite formative. So not only did I meet Jesus during my time at uni, I also met you, mate. So obviously, you know, quite a big, quite a big, significant time for me. Both of, of very similar magnitude, if I say so myself. Both of equal importance, um, I, I believe, personally. Uh, brilliant. And um, yeah, so since uni, I've, you know, dabbled in a few different jobs. Um, at the minute, I'm um, back in my hometown, um, helping to lead a church. So I've been doing that for a fair amount of time. Um, been a football fan for a long while as well. I think got into it. I think around 2002, 2002 World Cup sort of time is my kind of my earliest memories of watching football properly. So um, been a Manchester United fan as well since then. Um, so kind of when I got into it, it was like it was when kind of Arsenal were probably at their at their peak, really. They're obviously winning doubles and going invincible and stuff like that. And it's when we had kind of the players, some of the players, younger players left over from the treble season. But then we had like Van Nistelrooy up front who like always gets into my all-time United team, even though he probably doesn't deserve it. Like I'm just like completely biased towards him. Um, so yeah, I've been a football fan and a United fan for many years now. I must admit like, and we'll probably get into this on another pod, but I do feel quite sour still off the back of the European Super League stuff. And it has made me feel quite weird towards United still. And I feel like I'm, I have some quite, some unresolved feelings towards that whole situation um yeah so feel, feels a bit weird to be a United fan for me at the moment but but yeah maybe like I say maybe we can get into that another time but that's me in a nutshell lovely well no I I, I agree with with a lot of that you know the, the whole thing with the with the European Super League it it was there was no there was no positives to that there was it was we will talk about this in another another time, I think, um, especially as it, you know, you've seen recent comments recently from the the three remaining teams, you know, saying that it's still alive, it's still they're still hopeful it'll happen. So it's not over yet, but I, I don't, I, I think it will. I'm hoping that it will be a matter of time before 
only a matter of time before it actually is dead in the water. But you just you just never know. Money talks. Um, so who knows? But I'd like to hope that our club stays stay clear. Um, but speaking of our club, I just like that is actually the the basis of our episode today. And the reason we wanted to talk about uh, Manchester United, not, not because we are fans, um, whilst it is easy to talk about our club, the, the club themselves have been they've been behaving in, in, in an almost unusual way recently in terms of since po- sort of post uh, Europa League, we've we've seen and we maybe expected some radical changes. Um, you know that that night when we played. Um, you know, we lost to Villarreal on penalties and Gdansk was, it was so gut-wrenching to watch the manner in which we lost. I think most United fans probably watching that thought that changes were coming. Um, so one of the big changes and one of the big um, additions in particular, which we will talk about first, is, you know, the, the, the long overdue signing of Jaden Sancho. The deal that should have happened, should have happened last summer. And who would have known what would have happened, the, the, you know, last season if he would have joined 12 months ago. But he's, he's, you know, better late than never. He's still only 21. Signed, you know, for around, I think it's just under £80 million. Uh, pounds. Um, but what are your thoughts on, you know, the first, uh, well, we exclude. For, sorry, we're forgetting Tom Heaton. Uh, but the the second, then the second summer signing um, we've made this season. What are your overriding thoughts and opinions on on the fact that we've got Jaden Sancho now at long last? Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm really delighted United have been able to sign him. Like you say, I think a really good price. Um, to be fair, like the this is the type of money now you have to pay for young up and coming elite players. So it you know, it's a, it is a big price tag, but, you know, the way the modern market is, it's fairly normal now. And I think we are talking about a player that isn't just, and I think this is important to bear in mind, we're not just talking about a player that is kind of, you know, a young prospect that might turn out decent. Like we're talking about a player that has all of the tools to become an elite level footballer. Um, and that really puts into context to think how good this deal is for us um the main thing i think we're going to see early doors with him and you know because I, I think people people might stereotype him as a bit of a kind of speedy winger you know a speedy winger who kind of just has some good numbers um a bit like a bit like kind of marcus rashford you know someone who obviously plays off a wing is quite has a fair bit of pace, um, scores a few goals, and that's kind of his game. But I think Jaden Sancho is a completely different footballer. Um, he's what stands out for me is he's so intelligent. Um, his his football intelligence for someone of his age is is of really high caliber. But I think it's he he has this ability. I think when I've watched back over his assists over the past couple of seasons, it's it's his ability to to genuinely pick people out so he loves a killer ball um when he crosses into the box it tends to be you know in in a in a sensible direction towards another player so he doesn't just kind of get the ball on the on the byline or get the ball in the right half space and just kind of 
pings it into an area like that's not how he gets his assists like you know there's there there is a time and a place for doing that because sometimes putting the ball into a space is more important than putting it on someone's head or to someone's feet but he seems to have this real ability to just like um get the ball where it needs to go where when it matters um and that's where kind of a lot of his assists have come from um which has been amazing so yeah i'm really excited to to see him in a united shirt and i think his style of play is going to surprise a lot of people that haven't seen a lot of him um, or have only seen him in kind of the odd england qualifier so really excited mate you're very right in that he's so he's very very clever his link-up play you see it you saw glimpses of it in the euros the way he gives the ball and moves and he he, he doesn't move just past a, a, a you know past a, a fullback down the line he'll come inside a little bit from the right and he'll take the ball and move it across to the left he can operate in the famous this sort of the so-called number 10 position you know you look at how united will line up this you know from the you look at like a front four if we go with a four two three one formation obviously marcus is is going to be out with um you know with, with a surgery till around october but you look at the likes so of when it's rashford on starting on the left you obviously have bruno fernandez as the 10 and sancho starting on the right you you know for a fact that they're all going to be moving all over the place and same with cavani up front and or if it's greenwood up front they will all be moving all over the place. I think it would be a case of Bruno will still, Bruno Fernandes will still be orchestrating everything. But I do think Sancho has that ability to take the game and di- dictate. Really do think he has that ability. Yeah, absolutely. Well. I think is, like you said, I think one of his main, the main assets is going to bring to United's attacking play, which has been accused of being like really predictable. Um, at times, particularly when we play against teams in a low block and we, we're asked the questions of how to break them down, it's his versatility. So, like, I looked at kind of where his average positions have been over the past two seasons and he pops up all over the place, like you say. So, in what's been his most productive season so far, so the 2019-20 season, um, he spent 29% of his game time on the right wing. 12% on the left wing and 50%, which surprised me as the number 10. Um, and this 50%. is where he, yeah, this was, right. yeah, two wow. seasons ago. Um, I think yeah. they might have, I might be wrong, but I think Dortmund were playing um, a back five during that time period. So he was playing more as yeah. a kind of, you know, it's kind of like a 5-3-2. So he was kind of playing as a kind of support striker, 10 type player. But um that's when he kind of had his most prolific season in terms of output. So he had 20 goals um, and 20 assists as well. Um, And then last season, he kind of moved back to be, I think Dortmund went back to a back four. So he became more of a, more of a wide man. Interestingly, obviously we're primarily signing him for the right wing, but he spent 45% of the time on the left wing, 37% of the time on the right. But, you know, you look at all these positions and actually over the past two seasons, he's played, you know, across that forward line in, you know, in fairly equal measure. And he's, he's, he's adept at playing all of those uh, positions, really. I think he, what's interesting to me is that obviously we've primarily signed him to play on the right wing, but with Marcus Rashford out for his, his operation early season, I'll be interested to see whether he does, you know, start from the left in some games, because statistically that's probably where he's at his most dangerous when he's coming on coming in off that left flank so i'll be interested to see 
if like he does start there sometimes and what that could look like but I think what you said is important like I don't think it matters necessarily where he starts because I think he'll have the ability to float across that forward line um, over the course of a 90 minutes anyway and I think it will make it easier for us to break down teams because of that movement. Like when Bruno in those games where Bruno gets frustrated and starts searching for the ball deeper or in the different wide channels, like Sancho then is going to have the intelligence to go, right, I'm going to pick up the number 10 position while Bruno comes out to the right or comes out to the left. So um, yeah, really excited to have such a versatile, intelligent player, but I'm also interested to see kind of, kind of which position he makes home because obviously he can play a number of them so it's it's going to be fascinating mate uh, yeah i think with with rashford out you know for a good where is it's forecast to be october time he'll be uh, coming back whether that be starting games or whether that be probably easing him back to be fair you know from from the bench you know it was talked about a lot last season that Saul sharp was very very heavily reliant on Rashford, but I think with Sancho now there, you there's so much pressure off Rashford. Absolutely, um, I've got a stat for you, mate. Sancho's stat. So I was, I was looking through some of his data over the past couple of seasons, and this is what um, stood out for me in an article I read. So there's this company called like Smarter Scout who put together these statistics, and what they do is they take all of different a load of different data. And they put it all together and they compare all of the different players against each other. And basically they give um, each player a rating from zero to 99 in the different areas of skill. Um, Obviously with 99 being the highest. So a bit like FIFA stats, I suppose. And basically there's a category which is basically XG from ball progression. So this is a metric which measures the ability to pass, receive and carry the ball. So it's basically how good you are at advancing the ball up the pitch. Um, And Sancho came out as 94 out of 99. Like, absolutely insane. Like, that puts him at at the elite level at that particular skill set. So that ability to, to drive the ball up the pitch, either through passing, receiving and ball carrying as well. And just, just insane. In terms of this season, even if it's his debut Premier League season, you know, I still think he's going to be one of the standout players. I think he's got he's a contender for player of the season. If you look at his ability, um, we do a little um, shout out to my, one of our, our close friends, Scott. We do a, a predictor. Um, we've relaunched it. We had a we had a hiatus from last season. Uh, I don't know why, but um, we did it again. And I actually tipped James Sancho to win the young player of the season. I hope I think he's eligible because he's only. Only turned 21 in March. I remember looking at it. I, I think he's a shoo-in for that. I just think he's going to, if not player of the season, I think he's got the ability to, not necessarily, I don't think him him alone will is enough to turn us into title challenges. But that leads nicely on to the next topic because I do think the next signing is, whilst it's around half the price, um, it's not announced yet. But the signing and the incoming uh, arrival of Raphael Varane, I, we, we spoke just before we hit record on this. I'm still absolutely in disbelief that he's signing for us. Like he's, he's won everything that he possibly can, bar like I think the European Championships for France. He's won a World Cup. He's won, I think it's, it's four, four Champions League titles. That's more than, it's more than us in our, our history. 
He's won. I thought countless... you meant more than us, as in me and you. I was like, well, yeah, that as well. <laughs> shocking. More than United as a as a club, and and that's not even a, a dig. That's just a, a praise for how obviously how good Real Madrid is, but how good he is to be a part of four Champions League winning campaigns. Yeah, like you, mate. I'm in absolute disbelief, to be honest. Um, still, I it's one of those things. Even though it's been plastered everywhere, it's you know, it's when we see him for the first time in a United shirt at Old Trafford where it will kind of begin to sink in that we've actually signed him, particularly at the price that we're looking at. I think um, it's been reported about £34 million pounds 34. Plus, plus add-ons. Um, and I think for me, he's the second best centre-back in the world behind Virgil van Dijk. And I think the reason I'd put him up there in that category is because when you look at all the things you'd want in a elite level centre-back, he ticks all the boxes and not many players do. Because I think in the modern game, you you know, there's three fundamentals that spring to mind for me. Obviously, pace, because teams are wanting to play high lines now, so you need to have good recovery speed. Um, the ability to distribute from the back, you know, building up from the back and playing out from the back is so important. And then the third category is your basic fundamentals of defending, which still need to be good. And we've seen modern players that are good at the first two things, but not so good at the defensive fundamentals and they get found out. Um, you even look at a player like Maguire, who's come on leaps and bounds, you know, you look at his defensive fundamentals, really good. His distribution is excellent, but he doesn't have the recovery pace. Varane just can do everything. You know, I've, I've seen a few people, I think his weakest skill probably of those three is probably his passing, but his distribution is still incredible. He's, he is pacey. Some people seem to be suggesting that he isn't like, because people were kind of saying, oh, Maguire's slow. So we need like a really fast center back. And people are saying Varane doesn't solve that problem. He does. Like he is, he's who rapid. Else, who else would? For, you don't expect centre backs to have the pace of of a fullback. You know, it's. I think that's just not how it works. Yeah, I think people. The the reason I think people don't think he's pacey is people are overplaying his injury issues, and also his stature looks like he's like the solid centre back rather than you know in partnership sometimes you get like the solid centre back and then you get the more diddy one who can kind of do the kind of sweeping and stuff because he doesn't look like that he doesn't look like he's fast because he's so tall but he's absolutely rapid so he can do all of the in my opinion he can do all of the things you would want from an elite level center back and that's why i put him so high um like my only cons my, my, to get the negatives out of the way there's not many to be honest but these are some of the things i was pondering as a kind of cynical fan really was you know how are we getting around but also how are we getting him um so cheap and you know the concerns are either he for, for whatever reason he's not at the level he was at or that his injuries have taken their toll but um, I had a bit of a look and you know in the past seven seasons he's averaged 41 games per season so that doesn't suggest to me that he's like missing an absolute ton of games you know that sounds absolutely fine to me but I think one of the things we have to bear in mind in all this as well is that you know Real Madrid were in a they, they are in a difficult financial situation and that's what made the transfer even more unbelievable for me the fact that we were dealing with Real Madrid the club that you know we've been linked with their players on countless occasions and it's it just fizzles out or it becomes a ploy where the Real Madrid player is using United as a bit of a kind of you know almost a bit of a 
you know a piece, happened, a, a piece in the game so that they can get a bigger contract but obviously the deal's gone through Real Madrid are struggling financially and they've not got many assets that they could get at a decent price that they could sell for so yeah I'm 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 gonna I'm optimistic like obviously you get a player so good on such good money and there is going to be a big microscope on him and you know it will be interesting to see when he starts playing in the Premier League, whether he is, he is the player we think he is, you know, is he in, you know, is he the second best centre-back in the world? Will will my opinion be um, confirmed or will it be, you know, dramatically denied? So, yeah, really excited to see him play, like I say, heading ability, passing, pace, he can do the lot. And the only other negative, to be honest, is that all of the pundits now on the telly I'm just going to call him a Rolls-Royce of a defender every time United oh, play now, yeah. like oh, with Virgil yeah. van Dijk. It'll just be, it'll become the thing. It'll be like, you know, United have signed a Rolls-Royce of a defender, but then they'll just, they, on it, you know, we might have to do a little competition where we kind of guess how many times he's compared to a Rolls-Royce, you know, between now and the end of the season. Cause I think it will be up there in, in the hundreds. It For some, <laughs> for some reason it's become like, the like primary descriptor of a centre back that is really really good, and I don't know why. And Ooh, for some reason, for some reason, Martin Keown's springs to mind because I just I remember this episode like Football Focus, and honestly, I think you know the kind of BBC lunchtime thing they do on a Saturday, and like I think they had a topic on Virgil Van Dijk, and he spent the whole hour just going Rolls Royce of a defender, absolute Rolls Royce. <laughs> That's so many times. The thing is, they associate. I associate Rolls Royces quite legendary drives. When we talk about Varane's pace, like he should be described as like a, a McLaren of the of a defender, like of <laughs> something like that. Um, now, I think we've got to, yeah, we've got to go in with, with an objective mind. I think the competition, you know, it, it's always spoken about how it's always, you know, oh, you need to do it in the Premier League. They say it about every people say about everyone. Messi, or he's not proven it in the Premier League, so he's not not done it. It's like really, but there is some truth to it. I think he obviously had Ramos, one of the best best to do it alongside him. Massive partnership um, that was just kept getting better and better and better. Um, you know, he, he he's a good mix for Maguire. We said he's got the pace. He's got the he's very all very well rounded centre back, and he will. Be, Similar to, you know, when Bruno Fernandes signed, the mentality he brought to the club, you, you could see a, a shift. And when someone comes in who's won that many titles and have that many accolades, that will also breed more confidence and more desire to, to win. I think that's a big part of him signing. You know, we could have gone for a younger centre-back, you know, and you know, there's, there's a lot that we've been linked to, you know, as, as we do it every, every summer. But I think what's good about this window so far is that Ollie's got the two, his two first choice in the positions he wanted to strengthen so far, two out of two. I don't think there's any doubt about that for me. Um, so I, I think it's going to be um, a, a very good signing. I'm hoping that, and I don't know how you feel about this. You know, you mentioned you think Van Dijk is, is the number one in the world, and that's a valid, valid argument. I'd probably. I'd find it hard to disagree with that, to be honest with you. It'd be interesting to see how he how he comes back from his injury. But do we do you think 
personally that for me, when Van Dyke, for example, when Van Dyke signed for Liverpool, that was what won them the league. If they didn't sign Van Dyke, they wouldn't have won that that league title. Not a chance. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm I'm a United fan. I just don't think they would have done that. And maybe similar with the Champions League as well. Do you think Varane will have the same impact on our season and give us trophies this season? Or do you think we are still a couple of players short? And if so, where are we short? Um, I I don't know if he's going to help us deliver trophies this season, but I think he should put us in the mix, if that makes sense. Um, because... You know, you've not only got to look at your own team, I think, but also the teams around you. And I don't actually think, you know, people talk about positions in the league table as progression. Like, I don't think, given our current context, that's actually that important at the moment because I look at the teams around us and I look at City. They look brilliant. Obviously, in recent days, they look like Grealish is coming in. Chelsea have just won the European Cup and they're looking to strengthen. Um, Liverpool as well should be back to some of their best stuff. So we came second last season. Now, I don't actually think it's a failure if we come third next season, but it's about, it's all about for me, how, what happens during that season. Like if you come third, for example, but you're out of the title race by Christmas, that's a failure. You know, if the gap from second to first is huge, that's a failure. If you finish third, and you're in a title race up until the last month, month and a half of the season, I think that's progress. That's that's being in the mix and challenging. And I think that's a big difference to where we've been at since Ferguson left. I think it's huge because since Ferguson left, we, we have occupied second place, I think, a couple of times come the end of the season, last season and once with Mourinho. But in neither of those seasons have they been genuine title challenges. I think people sometimes care too much about league position I think it's more about how the season pans out generally which you can't necessarily I don't think we can say our oh, second place is success or third because I think Ollie could come second this year and we're nowhere near first and I would consider that a failure but alternatively I think we could come third or fourth in a really competitive title race and I'd be satisfied with that because we were in the title race mix for longer does, does that I know it sounds a bit a bit weird but does no, that make sense right. No, you're right. Yeah, we, we came second but to to City twice. And you know, I think that one Mourinho, they were they were levels above everyone. And obviously last season they ended up winning the league very, very comfortably. It was almost like we were and well we were, we were best of the rest. But that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. You know, I do think we're gonna be title challengers this season. I do think I do have confidence in that. I think it'll be I generally think there are I want to say at least four teams who can win it ourselves, City, Chelsea, and I do believe Liverpool are going to come back a lot stronger. Uh, I think last season was just, it was a crazy season for a lot of reasons. And I think they can't be worse than what they were, but that's, 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 that's maybe for another, another time. I, I do think though, you know, I think if we look at the teams, you know, you look at City and they brought in Diaz, how well he did. I was mentioned obviously Van Dijk. I still think there's areas in, in our team where we we need to improve. The player I would love for us to go for is is Declan Rice. I think if he goes in and slots into that midfield, it's so well balanced. It's unbelievable. Um, the problem with that is obviously the price tag. You know, he's um, you know 
so maybe controversially, he's an England international. It wasn't always, so that always bumps the price up. And of course, it's a, a Premier League rival who will charge, you know, a lot of money. I, I feel like we we have the same sort of opinion on Rice that he would be the first choice. But interestingly, what what would what would you go sort of in terms of an alternative? There's so many names linked in every position for United. There always is. If if Rice isn't available, you know, there's talk of eighty to ninety million. Which is very, very high, and I think too high for someone of Rice's level. Albeit he's a very good player, but not that. That's he's not. Good. He shouldn't cost more than Sancho. Put it that way. Um, who would you go for as an alternative, or is there anyone you would prefer over Rice, regardless of the money? Yeah, I think you're right in that. You know, if there was one area at United, we need to we would want addressing in the transfer window, regardless of whether Paul Pogba stays or whether he goes, would be this kind of defensive midfield area. So I suppose my opinion's changed a little bit recently because originally when I was thinking about this, I was thinking in the context of Paul Pogba staying. So that made me think about, you know, really basically a player to supplement all of the things that Paul Pogba doesn't do very well. So maybe someone that was more of a kind of midfield destroyer rather than someone who necessarily had to be good at kind of distribution and stuff because Paul Pogba obviously excels at that side of the game in terms of short, medium, long range passing. So originally I was kind of thinking purely ball winners, but now that Pogba might stay or he might go, I'm a bit more chill about kind of what skill set I'm looking for. I'm, I suppose I'm just looking for a really solid defensive midfielder. I'm a big fan of Declan Rice. The only issue, like you say, is the price tag because I think it's going to be re- really disproportionate for me because the he's going to have the English tax, which we've seen with the Ben White transfer to Arsenal. You know, he's costing Arsenal more than Varane's costing us because he's English and because he's young. Baffling. And yeah. so there's that. Um, but also I think... There's there's a bit of a question mark for Rice over me as to what his best position actually is. Like I actually think he's better playing a little bit more advanced than he does for England in a bit more of a box-to-box type role where he's able to drive with the ball. The problem is you'd end up paying 80 to 90 million pounds for a player that you'd probably want to play in the number six role. But I, I don't think he's... I, I don't know whether this is a skill he'll develop, but I don't think his passing ability is nearly good enough to justify that price tag for me like he isn't you know you know we talked about Varane earlier and how he is this complete center back and you want that from a central midfielder as well because we we're wanting to sign elite level players now if we're wanting to get in the mix for a title challenge and if you're going to play in that position you don't just need work rate energy the ability to break up possession, you need that a bit, that passing ability that breaks through the lines as well. And for me, I don't think Declan Rice has that. I'd love him. Like, you know, it sounds like I'm bashing him a bit. I think he'd be an awesome signing. But it's just, I, I feel like there's going to be a huge disconnect from his actual level of ability to his price tag, but on quite an astronomical level. Because I think sometimes you just have to pay the English tax and it is what it is. But... I think for Rice, it could be a bit too big um, for me. But some of the alternatives I'd look at, I think the most obvious player for me, I almost don't want to go for him because he's kind of, 
maybe a bit boring's the wrong word because I don't think he's a boring player, but he's almost the obvious choice for me. Um, is Wilfred Ndidi for from Leicester because he is that he can break up possession. Um, he's got a good passing range. You popped him in that. If you pop him in that United midfield, it goes up levels like it just does. Um, but again, similar problem to Rice in that I think I don't think Leicester need to sell. I think he would. Co- I think Wilfred Ndidi would cost a bomb. Maybe you know not what as much. Leicester alike as well. Yeah. You know what they did with Maguire and what they're probably you know, likely to do with you know Madison, which they you know they, they put big price tags on because they don't need to sell. You're absolutely right. Yeah, no, they're not in a financial problems. They they're a team on the up as well. Yeah, you'd get him for less than Rice, I think, but you'd still pay a big, big fee. But the other players I'd be interested in looking at are. Some of the other kind of honourable mentions, I suppose, is I, I wouldn't mind having a look at Ruben Neves if we could get him for a good deal. There seems to be some news out there that he could be gettable at a reasonable price, and I think he's really good. I think he he obviously his passing ability is up there, but he, he has the ability to kind of sit in there, shield the back four, um, break up play as well. Um, Basuma from Brighton is another honourable mention. I think he could be worth a punt. Um, not only can he do kind of some of the fundamentals we talked about, but he can also drive with the ball through midfield. His ball carrying is really good. Um, and the last player I thought I'd mention, just because this is the player I would personally go for if there was a deal to be done, would be Eduardo Camavinga, because I think that he there's there's a bit of news floating around that he could be available at a reasonable price, kind of forty million ish. People are quoting because of the some of the financial troubles French football finds itself in at the moment. And yeah, he would be a bit of a risk. I think he's still only 18, possibly 19, but he seems to be, again, one of these players that is just, you know, a young player who could, could well turn out to be an elite level footballer. I think he is, he has the most appearances kind of in the top five European leagues of any teenager, apart from, um, Saka for Arsenal so he's he's obviously had a lot of exposure to higher level football at a young age he's already been capped I think three times for France again like I think obviously there's there's potential there with him and that doesn't always materialize but I have a similar sense with him that I have with Sancho in that it is potential yes but it feels like a fair amount of that potential is nailed on and obviously, he's going to have to work hard. He's going to have to graft. Not everything is guaranteed. And we've seen players with huge potential flop. But I, I feel really confident with him. And I wouldn't want a situation where we can pick him up for, say, 40 million this summer. And we do, it would be a risk, don't get me wrong. But then we see him just like in a few years, just bossing it somewhere. And, you know, he's unaffordable. So I would, because I'm a bit unsure on this position, I would go with the hot prospect just because I think it would be, I think it could be a risk that pays off, to be honest. Yeah, with Kamavinga, his, his ability now is very, very good. I think he would start in that midfield either alongside or replacing Paul Pogba. Um, whilst he's not at Paul Pogba's level yet, I believe he could probably exceed Pogba in terms of his ability. He has that potential at the moment. Um, I think the, the thing with Kamavinga is interesting. I don't know if you if you know, but next so this is he's only got one year left on his contract. So next summer he actually goes for free. 
So that is why there's been a lot of talk about us pushing for him. So let's see, let's see, let's see what happens. I, I, I'm confident with this season. Um, I'm confident with the players, you know, and that I still feel that the club are working to, 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 to improve even further. We need to get some outgoings out, you know, outgoings done, get them some players through the door. There's, there's still a number of players that I would rather not see play for the club again, but that's, um, we won't go down that negative route of slandering um, our own players. Um, one thing we, we, we want to talk about obviously as well is, and this was kind of one of the latest things, was obviously the new contract for, for Solskjaer. I, I, when the news broke, I, it was one of those those things that I kind of went straight kind of to the comments just of like Twitter just to see kind of what the consensus was. Now, me personally, I've had, I've criticised Solskjaer in the past. One of the things I've I didn't like was obviously the fact that his reluctance almost to make substitutions was just borderline mental. Like it just really baffled me. I do partially think that is down to um, maybe his lack of faith in, in the squad options, which is he's obviously gradually um, seeing to. You know, it's not FIFA. It's not like you can just transfer players in a touch of a button. I think he's will see more rotation and more trust in the players he's now got this season. Um, I I personally am happy that he's got it. I think he's he's the best manager we've had. Maybe not on paper um, since Ferguson, but he's he's done the best so far. Granted, he has been given more time than the likes of Mourinho and certainly uh, Van Gaal and, and, and obviously Moyes. But I think he the the style of play we've we've produced has been at times brilliant. He needs to deliver a trophy this season. That is the the minimum for me. You know, there's, we talk about progress. We talk about closing the gap. With the, the squad that we're building, I think we have to. There's, there's no real excuse for us not to at least get to, you know, a couple of finals or be in that title race for me. Yeah, I, I'm gener- generally speaking quite pleased he got the, the new contract. But it's kind of, this season is kind of almost like the make or break, no excuses season to my mind, because... I do feel now that he has been backed sufficiently, even if there's no further transfers in or transfers out with the squad and the what we think will be his starting 11 going into this new season. I think it's now kind of make or break time for him. Like I think with the seasons he has had, obviously he started his first season midway through a season. And so obviously that can always be, he had that big drop off, at, you know, when he was made permanent manager. But then you you justify it by saying, well, he started, you know, halfway through the season. You know, he now gets a transfer window of his own. You know, let's give him a chance. And I think there's been grounds for that over the past few seasons where there's always been something we can kind of point to to say, oh, but there's this. You know, there's, well, he's not got all the players he wants yet. He wasn't backed in the transfer window. Um, some players are still developing, whereas I feel like now it is... Like I say, it is this make or break time. Um, I think for me, there's a, there's a few things I would like to see this season, you know, for for him to kind of stay on, you know, hopefully for the duration of that contract. And, and that would be, you know, the big thing is people, and I think I'm, I would say I'm in this boat as well. It's 
we think we think I think most United fans would agree that we've got a really good manager. The question mark we all have though, as United fans, is is he the manager that can, you know, deliver a Premier League, deliver a Champions League, or at least get us into the mix with those competitions, you know, in the latter stages of the Champions League or a title race for a long period of time. The jury is still out on that. And that's, for me, what this season is about. Um, I think there's a few things I'd like to see personally. The style of play for me, um, I would like to see us play a bit more progressively. He played this incredible style when he first came in as interim manager. The fullbacks were bombing on all of the time. A really high energetic press. The defensive line was really high. And then for some reason when he became permanent manager and basically in all of the time that's followed, he's adopted, I think, a fairly pragmatic style of play. Um, we play with a mid block. Um, our pressing intensity is not very high for a top side. And I feel like he's always kind of, I don't think he's like on Mourinho's level for being pragmatic, but I feel like he has been quite conservative, but I think what conf- what concerns me on the coaching side is, the attacking movement it's you know when when you see like a team like man city for example come up against a low block you can see how their attacking movements have been so orchestrated and planned in training it's like they almost know it's like we've got this puzzle in front of us and we know exactly how we're going to break it down when we come up against that kind of as united you know we've kind of got our attacking players kind of scattered along the box and it's almost it's all done on instinct and individual moments like and I think that's it's no coincidence that Bruno and Rashford were probably our best attacking players last season because they're players that base their game off these individual moments and the problem is when you base your football off individual moments sometimes it comes off sometimes it doesn't that's the problem so I'd like to see us play more progressively particularly um, against weaker opposition and it goes in terms of achievement wise, it goes back to what I said when we were talking about, I can't remember what we were talking about now, but I was talking about how for me, it's trophies next season aren't necessarily as important to me as they are to you potentially, nor is league position, but it's about the feel of the season. Like how, when you get to the end of the season, were we in the, were we genuinely in the mix for the title like if we can get to kind of april time and we're in we're genuinely in the title race i would see that as an achievement and i would say let's keep him on yeah i know, I know social i think he said i think it was earlier last season where he said oh winning he said it was i think it was misquoted quite a few times where he said something along the lines of the winning trophies is more important to certain managers and people like oh it is i get what he meant you know it's similar to what you said you know it's about progress I think they, they do come in hand in hand, though. I think if we make the progress that we need to from last season, trophies should should be in you know, inverted commas should follow naturally. That's why I think I think if we make the progress we we should and we expect the trophies should come. I think as early as next season. As always, uh, Ryan, thank you so much for for joining me and to discuss the greatest sport in the world and and by chance today the greatest football club in the world. Um, no bias there, I promise. Um, and I can't wait for the next uh, the next time. And and to you guys, obviously listening, thank you so much for sticking with us. Ramble on about uh, about the sport that we love. Um, it means a lot that um, you know you're listening to to our thoughts and uh, our conversations. So until next time, all the best. See you soon. 
Yeah, see you later, mate. And see you later, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.